Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is Ryan Cabrera, your co-host, and I'm here in studio, live with the studio audience. Okay, no studio audience. With Pastor Nick Plummer. Yes, hey, I make Pastor up Nick. the studio audience. <laughs> the Lord is with us, amen? Yes, me, myself, and I. Me, myself, and I. And so today we are studying the Torah portion, Kaye Sarah, which is the life of Sarah. If you guys want to uh, hear the Torah questionnaire uh, episode, it is episode seven, where we're going to go through the, or we went through the entire uh, portion, uh, just section by section, kind of just gathering all the surface level details uh, and, and some minor commentary in there. But today, we are going to jump into some main points about the life of Sarah. Uh, this portion is found in the book of Genesis, starting at chapter 23, verse 1, and ending at chapter 25, verse 18. That is correct. Just remember, everyone, that all over the world, this Friday night, the life of Sarah, the Sarah Torah portion, will be read in every synagogue. And uh, just a little friendly reminder, the synagogue in Pittsburgh uh, were 11... Uh, Jewish people lost their lives. They were murdered uh, during a, a ceremony there for Shabbat, and we want to lift up those families in prayer. And uh, and there's six really, others, and to intercede those that are uh, hurt or shot. And yep. so, uh, once again, we're living in perilous times, and uh, anti-Semitism is on the rise. Uh, so someone's going to have to stand up for the Jewish people. Someone's going to have to stand up and respect Judaism because I tell you, uh, it's getting ugly out there, and the enemy cannot wait to just, uh, you know, do his murdering and killing and everything else. So we just need to be uh, keeping the Jewish people in prayer. So once again, we have something here that's very interesting. We have the death and burial of Sarah in Genesis chapter 23, uh, verses 1 through 20. And just a a few little notes um, looking at Sarah. Uh, In Genesis chapter 23, verses 1 and 2, she dies at the age of 127 years of age. And uh, once again, she's the only woman in the Bible whose age is mentioned uh, about her death, 127 years old. And uh, of course, where does she die? But in Kirjoth Arba, which is, of course, Hebron in the land of Canaan. So she is, of course, in Hebron. Uh, Interesting place, Hebron. Uh, It's one of the six cities of refuge. Uh, Remember that. Uh, there's three cities of refuge on the east side of the Jordan River and on the west side. So Hebron made up to be one of the uh, cities of refuge. Uh, Also, it was given to Caleb of the tribe of Judah by Joshua during the conquest. So the uh, area or the city of Hebron was given to Caleb, who was a good spy, a good, give a good report. He represents Judah. And of course, we know that Joshua represents Ephraim, the other good witness. So yeah, he was given this land uh, by Joshua. Uh, once again, it was the original capital of Israel, uh, where David was crowned king, and he, of course, uh, ruled there for seven years before moving the capital to Jerusalem. So, very uh, important place, a very important city. And uh, we'll just get this out of the way as far as uh, it being relevant. It's 19 miles south of Jerusalem. It's located in Judea. Of course, you have Samaria the geographical area of Samaria, and the geographical area of Judea. It's found in Judea. Currently right now in the city of Hebron, the population among the Palestinians, 
uh, as of 2016, was 215,452 Palestinians uh, versus uh, between 500 and 850 uh, Jews, and this is around the old quarter. So once again, imagine that demographic. Yeah. 215,452 Palestinians as of 2016, and only 500 to 850 Jews around the old quarter. Wow, Ryan, think about it. And Hebron, once again, is a very, very, very important city, and we're going to discover this as we begin to look at some of the storyline here. Yep. So um, real quick, um, so I was really excited about, you know, I was doing my research for the podcast. Um, and although you don't see a bunch of notes on my paper, yes, Pastor I know, Nick. I don't, I don't see any notes. I do. <laughs> I good. do research. And, uh, you know, I just, I save it up here. And then, you know, the Holy Spirit, it brings out whatever he wants to say. And so I was all excited because the first verse, uh, 23 verse 1, where it says Sarah's 127 years old, in the Hebrew it actually says she's 100 years, 20 years, and 7 years. That's right. And so it splits it into these three things. and Three you know, age groups. And so I had, I had broken out my chumash, which the chumash... The chumash is awesome. It is awesome, which uh, if, if you don't have a chumash, uh, basically it's, it's the Torah uh, in Hebrew, and then uh, you can get it also in English, and then it also will have like... Uh, summaries of the major commentaries on those things from from historical rabbis basically the rabbinical commentary added into it uh as well and so in that commentary it talks about you know how um sarah took you know when she was 100 years she was as beautiful as she was when she was 20 and when she was 20 she was as innocent as she was when she was 7 so I was all excited to, to bring that to the podcast today and then last night we're at tour study and then mike comes out with it and apparently Mike spoiled it not just for me, but he spoiled it for you too. You know, it's in the Aleph Beta video. It is. So Pastor Nick had gotten together this Aleph Beta video that I didn't even know existed that described this whole thing from Rashi. And apparently it's one of the most famous comments from Rashi. Um, and, you know, obviously because it's about, you know, Sarah being the it only woman... It makes sense though. I like it. Yeah, whose age was mentioned. Um, yeah, just the cool little little tidbits, you know, and stuff like that. Also... Yeah, you know, I mean, think about it. Hebron, right? We should probably give a shout out to Yishai Fleischer. We go. listened to his podcast. Hebron uh, is a is a cool place. Uh, Yishai is the international spokesman for the Jewish community of Hebron, um, which is where the this cave we're about to hear about in chapter twenty four is located, and it is still located there to this day. Chapter twenty three. No, chapter twenty four. Oh yeah, yeah. When, that's what I meant. Chapter twenty three is what I meant. Oh yeah, and then we're going to be getting into some good stuff. We, I, mean, I think all of it's good stuff. It is all good. Yeah, because Genesis is. I mean, chapter 24 has 67 verses in it. I mean... That's a few. Yeah. But I mean, I would say that Genesis is, you know, one of the best books in the it's Torah. A, it's the beginning, in the beginning. It's of a, the two a, best it's books. It's the family tree. Genesis and Deuteronomy. It shows you how messed up our family is. Yeah. The little book All ends. the genealogies of mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Active and inactive, you know. So, you know, if we think about it right now, I mean, Abraham was a sojourner in the land. So, you know, he was surrounded by Canaanites and ites, and, and of course... Uh, he had to speak to someone about his wife's death, you know. Um, and so he went to the sons of Heth, and he wanted to possess a burial place is what he wanted. And uh, and he actually chose um, the cave of Machpelah. Um, and, of course, uh, Ephron, the son of Zohar, a Heatite, owned it. So yeah. uh, it was a Heatite. And I was just thinking about the Heatites. Uh, what comes to mind when you hear about the Heatites? But Uriah the Heatite. Mm-hmm. One of the mighty men of God in, in 2 Samuel eleven three, And of course, uh, he was married to Bathsheba. And uh, of course, David took her, committed adultery. And then he, of course, 
plotted to have Uriah murdered on the front lines, and the enemy, you know, would would get him, and the the, the good guys would pull back. But so anyway, uh, you, you know, know we, we see adultery, we see murder with David, and so you know, uh, but he was a man after God's own heart. And I'm not here to, to call out David, but uh, it was interesting how faithful Uriah was. That when you go back and study it and read it and look at the context of the storyline, he refused to go into his you know his own house and lay with his wife and. He said, you know, my men aren't in homes, and they're on the battlefield, and they're in tents. You know, what gives me the right to do this or that? And so... Uh, Just adds that little extra pain to the story. Yeah. yeah. And so he was really sold out, you yeah. know. And, and boy, I tell you, if you could have Uriah the Heatite on your team, you've got a good team member, you know. Yeah, no doubt. So you can find him in 2 Samuel eleven three, but... You know, that's I was, just the way it is. I was thinking about this whole thing with um, Abraham wanting to buy a burial plot. You know, God promised that he was going to have all of this land there in uh, you know, Judea and Samaria, the, the land of Canaan at that time. And I was like, you know, why why the whole buying of the, the burial plot? And I guess it's because uh, he needed something that he knew was going to stand the test of time something that was going to be permanent, something that was going to be forever, because, you know, once you bury somebody, you know, you don't necessarily want to go back and you know it's a value right and know? and so it had to be permanent and so he wanted to to purchase it and he ends up um going in and offering money for it and well yeah i mean right here Ephron the Hittite, he wanted to give abraham the field in the cave which i mean he right to, and of course abraham's like hey i want to give money for the field yeah and he's like oh well you know but what's 400 shekels between what's friends? 400 <laughs> you know shekels of silver you know so abraham ends up getting a deed for the land yeah he ends up getting a deed for the land for 400 shekels of silver and, um, you know, I don't know what today's modern value is, but, you know, that's that's a lot of shekels, a lot of silver. I would venture to uh, say there's more copies of this land deed than there are of any other land deed in, in the history of the world. You know, it's interesting, world. though, if you go back and look at um, David's life, King David, you know, he purchased the threshing floor from the Jebusites. Ooh. So there, there's a lot of interesting things that are going on here. And, of course, like, and, and is of that course, area contested? A little bit. A little bit. It's interesting how it's all playing out, though, Ryan. And so last but not least in this particular storyline, uh, the children of Heth and before all that went at the gate of the city were witnesses. So once again, who were the witnesses? But the children of Heth and before all that went in at the gate of the city. So Abraham purchases the land, the cave, uh, for like a deed for 400 shekels of silver. And there's also documentation uh that, of course, it was purchased and there was witnesses. You know, it's interesting that Judaism ranks Hebron as the second holiest city after Jerusalem, um, while Islam regards it as one of the four holy cities, you know, one of the four holy cities. And so they have, of course, Islam. Ishmael would have Mecca, Medina, Jerusalem, and then Hebron. Very Mm. interesting. Uh, Also, one final note before we move on to the marriage of Isaac. In Genesis 24, uh, just overheard through the Land of Israel network that they are going to be building some flats in Hebron and expanding some apartments for the Jewish people, uh, increasing that population. Maybe they'll hit a thousand. Wow! That's but I'm awesome. not really sure exactly. But listen, you know, it's all relevant. Now here we are talking about Hebron, and listen, Ryan, if I'm not mistaken, they referenced that it was it's been 16 years since they built anything or even owes them any home to a, a Jewish person in Hebron. So I'd have to go back to public records and look at that. But they are, of course, building um, something in Hebron for the Jewish people, some flats, some apartments. Uh, I don't know how many. I don't know how big it's going to be. But after 16 years, wow. Yeah. When it hits the bigger I've been there point. twice, Ryan. It's an incredible place. Yeah, it hit, this hits the bigger point of uh, all of the places that are highly and hotly contested 
uh, in Israel that are so-called, you know, Palestinian sites or whatever, just so happen to be the sites Biblical that we're, sites. Right, we're actually reading about them in the Bible like right here. Right, you exactly. Know, that's where uh, Joseph's tomb is. And... So there's spiritual warfare over it. The battle is not just flesh and blood. It's not just, you know, the people in front of us or the political climate of today. Even Joshua's altar are not evil. That's actually controlled by the Palestinians, right. that, that particular area. You have to go in with IDF soldiers to even to visit that place. And so I was real happy for my son, Nehemiah, this last year, this, this Tabernacles in Israel. They, they went to Joshua's altar, got some incredible pictures. Yeah. And of course, that was discovered in the spring of, of 1980, which is very interesting because that's when basically the Hebrews of the Christian faith movement has taken off. So, so that's where we're at. So we're going to get into the marriage of Isaac, and I'm going to have Ryan read some scriptures uh, I'm going to have him read uh, chapter 24, verses 1 through 10. Uh, once again, public reading of scriptures, whatever you speak... Comes towards you. It comes towards you. So are you sure you want me to read, or would you like one of the people in the studio audience Well, right now it's just read. you and I, Ryan, so if I ask for you to read, it's just you. And there's the only one Ryan here. There's a, and there Thank are, you, Jesus. I don't think there's any other readers available in this room at this I time. I could actually have another reader in another room. Uh, I'd have to go get them. Uh, They're in the building. Yeah, okay, I understand. So he's going to read Genesis 24, verses 1 through 10. Isaac marries Rebecca. What an awesome chick flick. Get prepared. All right, here we go. Chapter 24, verse 1. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. And I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land, must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence he, thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware. Thou that thou beware thou that thou bring not my son thither again. That was a mouthful. That verse six. God bless Shakespeare. Amen. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath. Only bring my son, bring not my son thither again. And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master and swear to him concerning that matter. And the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed, for all the goods of his master were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor. Wow, some interesting things to, to bring out. You know, uh, the uh, of course uh, the eldest servant was who Eliezer of Damascus. Eliezer of Damascus, yeah. born in his own house. You know, people don't know this, but if you go back and look, before Abraham went into the land, he he had people that joined him. Right. He he grew his family. He grew his servants. Uh, and, and I don't have time to point out the verse and chapter, but but it's interesting, Ryan, because it's kind of like Beit Tehillah. You know, people have have uh, been absorbed into Beit Tehillah and come to Beit Tehillah, and we've grown to past the living room size. And and it's amazing to see that people have literally assimilated into the community in Beit Tehillah. It's just a part of them. Yeah. It's, they're Beit Tehillah. And Beit I, only, I only say that because, you know, Abraham's going to run into trouble because he's going to need to... Uh, 
form a militia. And it actually says that the 300 servants that he had were born in his house. Yeah. So think about the people that joined Abraham. They had children. So they grew up. So we, we have three generations here. See, like, you know, my children, all they've ever known is the Hebrews of the Christian faith. They, they, they don't know anything else. They, they, were, they were birthed in the community. And so I only say that because Abraham, as, as he absorbed these people, uh, children were birthed and they became his militia. They, they were born in his house. I mean, that's, that's a shared vision. Yeah. And that's really what it's all about. What are you willing to do for the vision? You know, we got we to gotta, we be sold out. And so we only bring this to mind because he's the eldest servant, so he wants to do a good job. And he, of course, did not want uh, Eliezer to take a wife for his son among the Canaanites. And, uh, and it's very interesting because he put his hands under the thigh of Abraham. It was a cultural thing. You know, I, I think of Michael Jackson. <laughs> but we don't get it, do we? We don't understand it fully. But he put his hands under the thigh of Abraham. Yeah. You know, like the posterity thing, you know, like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm making a vow, you know. Right. I mean, and Abraham was so perplexed with Eliezer in the beginning because he's like, man, he's going to be my heir, you know. And But God said, from your own bowels is going to come a son. Right. And so he believed. Sure. And Ryan, it dawned on me after all these years of being in the Torah, even studying the Gospels, it hit me that God was so impressed with Abraham because what Abraham was going to witness was from his own bowels would come a son, just like God would produce his own son. Right. That God in the flesh, you know, Jesus as God would come through a woman and, and, and be birthed. I mean, you know, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And so I guess the biggest battle that, that most Jews would have is that, you know, is Jesus the Messiah? Is he the Son of God? And a lot of them would, would say, no, no, he's not, you know. And it's the same dilemma that Jesus had the first time he came. He came to his own, his own didn't receive him, you know, and it's a choice. It's a choice to believe that. And so, yeah. you know, actually, you know, Abraham wanted his servant to go to his country and kindred, you know. Yep. And, and, he, and he gave him a stipulation. He's like, listen, you know. I'll tell you how you can get out of this, because he, he's got to tell the servant, you know, this is how you can get out of it. Listen, if she's not willing to come with you, the oath and the vow that you made to me is null and void. Right. So you got to find a willing and able bride that wants to come, wants to go. It's like, I don't have to, but I get to, right? Sure. And so that's the stipulation. So Eliezer, you know, he doesn't have that much pressure on him. But the thing that I realized about Eliezer, and we won't get to read all the verses, there's 67 verses. What I love about Eliezer, Ryan, is that he was sold out to the master. Oh, yeah. He was sold out to Abraham. He's like, here's, here's what Abraham wants from me. He wants me to go and find a, a wife for his son, who's his heir, because he's going to get everything, you know? I mean, so all I'm saying is that I love that. When people come alongside Danielle and I, and they say, Pastor Nick, we, we want to help you build a strong community and raise the next generation, man. I love it when people are sold out. I love it when the vision is shared and they're loyal because, boy, it makes a world of difference. For sure. Because now you know they're on board and you're not alone. Right. You know, it's like Nehemiah. You know, he, he went to go rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and he was all alone, but he had everything he needed to fulfill the vision. The favor, the finances. But when he went, he scouted it out and then he got the people. Right, involved you know, to rebuild the walls. There was one other stipulation, and that stipulation was, you know, because Abraham, don't marry the Canaanites. Well, not only don't marry the Canaanites, but don't take my son away from this land. And why? Because Abraham believed God, right? And what was the promise to him that his seed would inherit the land? And he says, 
Because God said to me, unto thy seed will I give this land where we're standing. So you cannot take my seed out of this land. What, whatever wife is going to come for him right. has to come to him. Yeah, he's not going to relocate. And that's, you know, it's interesting because Isaac is the promised seed, right? He right. represents the promise. And so just like every other uh, story where we, we're dealing with this family, they have to go back down into Egypt. Even Yeshua had to go to Egypt and come back. They all right. took a trip to Egypt and came back. But yeah, Isaac's Isaac, the only one that never went down to Egypt. Isaac doesn't go to he Egypt. Because he was the promise, you know. So it, it's interesting, you know, because he, he, of course, takes 10 camels with him. 10 means a minion. If you could find 10 righteous men, you, you know, a minion is, is 10. So you need 10 men to do public prayer for among the Jewish people. So a minion is 10. Think about 10 righteous men. And we know we have the 10 lost tribes, but they're not really lost. Because God knows where they're at. So 10 is a very interesting number. Uh, the 10 days of all. So uh, I'm going to have Ryan continue to read verses 11 uh, to 20. All right, let's do it. All right, y'all. here we go. Uh, Genesis chapter 24, verses 11 through 20. All right. <laughs> and he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening even the time that women go out to draw water. And he, so it's basically happy hour, right? It's getting ready to be a new day. Got it. And he said, O oh, oh Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she say, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be that thou hast, let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac, and thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. And it came to pass before he had done speaking that, behold, Rebekah came out who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. And the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again unto the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. Boom, man. Answered prayer right there. It's incredible. Look at that. You know, stick to the text. Stick to what's at hand here. You know, it's just like building a strong community and raising the next generation, right? It, it, it doesn't take, you know, it doesn't take anything more than that to realize, okay, how am I doing this? What am I going to do? So, I could see myself in Eliezer's shoes here saying, like, God, I'm not that smart, so you're going to have to give me a sign. Don't let me be the one to discern. And so here's the sign I'm looking for, God. If you let this be the sign, then I'll go ahead and I'll know that this is the woman. But you know, I want Ryan to read these two verses again because okay. you know, let Scripture interpret Scripture. You know, let's lay this out because Abraham had a lot of faith. I want Ryan to read uh, Genesis twenty-four verses six and seven. So here's Abraham's faith. He's setting him on a mission. He believes he's going to accomplish it. Check this out, verses six and seven of, of twenty-four. And he says, "And Abraham said unto him, Beware thou that thou bring not my son thither again. The Lord God of heaven." 
which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. You know, right? here's the thing that's so parallel to this story right now. I believe that God will lead us by his spirit, even with the angels, to restore and regather the whole house of Israel. Come on, somebody! Think about it. I'm sorry. But when you start understanding that all these non-Jews that are drawn to the Hebrews, the Christian faith, right, it's leading to something, an incredible family reunion. And so we have to rest in that, you know? And so as we look at this story as it unfolds from verse 11 on, uh, he ends up, at, he rides outside the city at a, at a well of water, right? Yeah. And so there he is. So he puts out the fleece and everything. And, uh, you know, he said, this is what I want. He goes, you know what? If this is the right woman, this is what I want. He throws a fleece out there like, you know, I want her to bring me a drink of water, and I want her to give water to all 10 camels. Wow, that was the stipulation. He was he was throwing a fleece out there, you know. And so who came with a pitcher upon their shoulder and gave Abraham serving a drink of water when he asked for it? It was Rebekah, born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother. Boom. Giving him a drink of water. And I'll tell you, in Genesis 24, 16, uh, this Hebrew word tobe, she was very fair. I say ooh la la. I don't know what translation that is, but she was a hottie. I believe that's oh, the... Oh, she was beautiful. The S, the good, F, In the FSV? Hebrew, good of countenance. Mm-hmm. Good of countenance. She's very fair. And, uh, and of course, she was good. And, and so in Genesis 24, 20, she not only gives Eliezer a drink of water, but she also gives all of the camels uh, water as well. And uh, we're just going to kind of move on here. So things are starting to happen. Th- things are coming together. And of course, what does Eliezer do? He gives her a golden earring of half a shekel weight and two bracelets of 10 shekels weight in gold. So he's giving her some bling. Bling, bling, right there. Boom. He gives her this stuff out of her kindness. So she was kind. And so he's going to ask her, hey, whose daughter are you? This reminds me of those like videos where people like put people to the test on the street. And then like the person that does the nice thing, they're like, oh, here's a million dollars or something like that. Oh, yeah. That's just incredible. So, so he asked her, whose daughter are you? And, and he, he says, is there any room in, in your father's house for us to lodge in? You know, so he's kind of, you know, he, he wasn't given that hospitality at that point because maybe per, perhaps it's taboo for a woman to say, hey, come stay with me, you know, or whatever, or make that invitation. Yeah. So he asked the question as a male, perhaps in that culture, hey, you know, is there any room in your father's house Well, he asked her first, whose daughter art thou, Right. So once he finds out that that she's the daughter of Abraham's family, then she's like, oh, okay. And he was so excited. He not only yeah. showed respect to uh, Rebecca, but he bowed down his head and worshiped the Lord. Uh, that's that's what he did. We need to know? do that more often. I think we'd get a lot more business deals you know, if like, we meet somebody, we're like, you're, oh, you're that guy? Hey. Hang on. Let me yeah. bow down and worship the Lord. <laughs> you know, that's why some people would think, like, remember when... Um, Jacob ran to go meet Esau, and he bowed down to him. Yeah, he wasn't worshiping Esau; no, of course, he was yeah. showing reverence. Yeah, you know, he he was, you know, and that's the thing, you know, we should think more highly of others. Yeah, you know, than we do ourselves. You know, and so, and that reminds me of going to find a seat, right? Sit in the back, and if the guy wants to value you, or he really, you know, you're supposed to get a better seat, he'll come and take you and bring you up to the front. That's right. Uh, don't always shoot for the front. So anyway, uh, and of course, Rebecca has a brother. 
And what's his name? Laban. 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 Now, his name means to be made white. His name means to be made white. But we know later on, Laban is going to become a shady character. He's going to take advantage of Jacob and everything, but we're not going to get into that right now. And so um, Eliezer comes to this family with Rebecca and Laban and the parents and the family, and he tells the whole story about his master and and all of these things, you know, and 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 uh, you know, and so uh, the family was just enthralled. And so as we look, we'll we'll probably have to do a little more reading here. Let's go ahead and look at and catch up on the story because he's telling the story uh, to them. Uh, of course, they provide for him and everything, and they, they're going to eat. Um, I like that part. Let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and look at the the results of this meal and her family. Uh, Let's start with verse 49 of chapter 24. All right. And let's go ahead and read to... Uh, let's go ahead and go up to um, 58. All right, here we go. And now, if ye will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her and go, and let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord hath spoken. And it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and gave them to Rebekah. He gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things. And they did eat and drink. He and the men that were with him and tarried all night, and they rose up in the morning, and he said, Send me away unto my master. And her brother and her mother said, Let the damsel abide with us a few days, at least ten. After that she shall go. And he said unto them, Hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my, to my master. And they said, We will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. And they called Rebekah and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. Wow. What an awesome story. And She's the right person. Yep, she sure is. And they sent yeah. and they sent uh, away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. So, you know, he he's attributing... Eliezer's attributing the story, Ryan, to the Lord, to his master. The Lord this and the Lord that, you know. Well, how and, cool uh, is it that he came and he told the story, and so they were enthralled by the story, right? And they're like, well, wh- who am I to say well, one way or the it other? Said, it said they couldn't think good or bad of the right. story. Yeah. We can't think good or bad. No, that's the Lord. And that's like our testimony. Right. When, when we share something with somebody, hey, the Lord did this, and the Lord did that, and hey, the Lord brought an Orthodox Jew to our church, and he was sharing his heart, and we learned, and you know, they're, like, they're not thinking good or bad, Yeah. because you're excited, you're explaining something. So to them, it's it's neither good or bad. Yeah, you know, and it's it's kind of like in the Hebrews of the Christian faith. You know, people don't think it's good or it's bad; they're indifferent or whatever. You know, it's like oh, whatever. You know, yeah. But that's good for you, and it's true. Sure. When people say, "Well, Nick, that's for you. That's good for you," I'm like, "You're right. It is." I wish you could share it with me. You know, but it goes back to you know, there's the bride, the bridal party, and then there's the guests. For sure. Who who wants to go for the gold? And so I love what they said in, in verse fifty one. Take her and go, and let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord hath said. 
you know? And so he's going to, you know, when Abraham's servant heard that Rebecca's family was willing to give her his eyes to his wife, man, he, he's like, listen, I'm so excited. I just can't hide it, right? I'm about to give out some jewels of silver and gold and raiment. And, and you're going to like it. it. <laughs> and you're going to like it, yeah. He, he gave her brother and mother precious things. He had gifts to, to give, you know, yeah. and that's cool, you know, when, when you're out and about and doing things to buy gifts for people and, and have gifts, you know, uh, especially if that's your love language, to, to receive gifts. Um, and so the next morning when all this was settled, you know, Eliezer's like, all right, I got to return to my master. I can't be lollygagging around. You know, it's funny. He, he's not going to get on an airplane or a train. No. I don't know how long it took him to get there. He knows how long it's going to take to get back. Yeah. So he's thinking time-wise, man, I really need to get back. We don't know what kind of season it was, hot or cold or, or whatever. So, you know, he wanted to return to his master. So he's telling the family this. And so, you know, it, it's like, I guess Laban and the mother were like, well, you know, well, she can go, you know, just let her stay at least 10 days. Here's that 10 again. 10 is a minion. The, yeah. The, the 10 days of all. The 10 lost tribes. You know, this number 10 is very mysterious, very interesting. So here's 10. Well, let her stay at least 10 more days. And and he's like, no, you know, we, we need to get going. He's so, like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm yeah, out. what does it say? What does it say in 56? And he said unto them, hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. You know, that's the whole thing, Ryan, with the whole Orthodox Jewish thing at our church. We don't have time to waste, Ryan. We need to open up our homes, open up our doors, and engage in the conversation that needs to be, you know, talked about. We need to get this ball rolling, you know, and that's what I love about this movement. I love the opportunities that God has given us, Ryan. We don't have time to waste. Right. Prophecy is being fulfilled every day, and we get to participate. And then, you know what I mean? Like, why wouldn't right. we... Why wouldn't we Jump on that train. So so the servant pushes the issue, and so they're going to do this. You know, and they called Rebecca and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. And they sent away Rebecca, their sister, in verse 59 of chapter 24 of Genesis, and her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebecca in verse 60 and said unto her, Thou art our sister. Be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. Bum, bum, bum. Wow. So Rebecca rose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels and followed the man. And the servant took Rebecca and went his way. So not only did Rebecca go, but she also gets to uh, take her nurse with her. Now, what an incredible blessing that they gave to Rebecca. Thou art our sister. Be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. Wow. Is that true today? Absolutely. Among the three faiths, Ryan, among the Jews, the Christians, and the Muslims, I'd say there's millions. Well, this is Isaac and Rebecca's kids, right? Right. But what I'm saying is that the whole family of Abraham, you know, it's like this, the blessing, you know, I mean, even, even, even God blessed Ishmael. I mean, we we don't want to talk about that. You know, we think, oh, you know. No, for sure. You know, oh, no, no, God blessed Ishmael. Well, let me get to and, that. And we said that, that, yeah, that he would be a nation and all this stuff. And so let's let's continue to read but and check, finish up this beautiful story. Real quick, real quick, real quick. Check this out. I mean, the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of, of those that hate them. What's cool about this is that, you know, Isaac needs not just a bride, right? He needs a covenant partner. And so he is the 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 embodiment of the covenant that God made with and Abraham. And one that has kindness. He is the promise, right? Well, here comes somebody, and it just so happens... 
this other side of the family that has no idea about the covenant that God has made with Abraham makes this blessing over her that she will be the multiplication of that seed of Abraham. Yeah, she's the perfect fit. Perfect fit. God knows what he's doing. Let's finish up the story. You're going to read verses uh, 62 to 67 to conclude the most ultimate chick flick ever. Let's do it. And Isaac came from the way of the well of Lahiroi, for he dwelt in the south country. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the eventide. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. For she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac brought her unto, into, his mother's, into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Wow. Think about that. That's incredible. And so, you know, so where was Isaac, you know, when he saw the caravan of camels? Where was he? He's in the field. He's praying, meditating. And he's, and he's meditating. Yeah. And it's evening. Mm-hmm. It's a new day. Mm-hmm. Remember, Eliezer, it was a closing of a day. Right. And he found her. Now it's going to be a new day in the evening, and he's bringing her to his master. Yeah. I love this, you know. And she, of course, took a veil and she covered herself, you know. After she was was told, hey, it's Isaac. You know, you're approaching Isaac, you know. And uh, Isaac takes Rebecca into Sarah's tent. And he loved her and and was comforted after his mother's death. You know, it's interesting, Ryan, if you stop and think about it. um, When something dies, something is is giving birth. Right. Something is alive. It's the circle of life. I mean, it's amazing to me because if you stop and think about it, uh, when I go back and I think about people as a whole, you know, we think about one person, but one person becomes many. You know, they right. say, you know, if you kill one person, you, you, you destroy a world, you know. Right, generations. A, a generation. Yeah. But, but the thing that gets me, though, is Abraham was going to offer up Isaac because he was told to, but he didn't have to. There was a ram caught in a thicket. And, and the, the sacrifice was supposed to be a burnt offering, Ryan. So I'm just thinking about this, a burnt offering, Ola. The word used for that is is smoke ascending or a holocaust. Mm. So six and a half million Jews, you know, were actually a burnt offering. But look at what happened from it. A nation was born. Wow. Right. You know, uh, they brought out in the Land of Israel Network, I know it was Jeremy and Ari, they, they, they brought out some really good points that, you know, there's this darkness, but then there's light. It's like, here's this test, and then there's darkness, and then there's light. You know, so Abraham had to go through the darkness in order to get to the light. And so this story continues as, as we look at Abraham's second family. I just want to read the first few verses here in, in Genesis 25. This is amazing. So this is titled Abraham's Other Family. Uh, then again, Abraham took a wife and her name was Keturah. So wow, so Abraham is still going strong, right? She bare him Zimron, Jokshan, and Medan, and Midian, and Ishbak, and Shua. I mean, think about this. I mean, there's Midian. What did Midian become? The Midianites. The Midianites. Which Jethro was a Midianite. That's right. right. So the interesting thing about Abraham remarrying and having more children, boy, the multiplicity is just kicking in right now. You can't keep this guy down. Yeah. 
But the but the you know the the interesting thing is if you look at the area of Midian today, it's the modern day country of Saudi Arabia. So and there's a lot of different factions, you know, among religious groups, ethnic groups, and we know that, and and it's just the way it is, you know. And so now you have Isaac, you have Ishmael, so you have two different groups here. It's like the Shiites and the Sunnis, Protestants, the Catholics, you know, it just goes on and on and on and on, you know. Um, but he marries Keturah, and she has, of course, children. And uh, Abraham was 175 years old when he died. And so we know we're going to have an awesome funeral for, for the great Abraham. And so uh, who was it that buried Abraham? Do you, do you know? You want to read verses 9 and 10? Yep, it was Isaac Genesis and Ishmael 25. together. Here we go. It says, And his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah, in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Hittite, which is before Mamre, the field which Abraham purchased of the sons of Heth, there was Abraham buried and Sarah, his wife. Wow. Yep. And then it goes and it talks about how Ishmael, you know, was Well, blessed. yeah, but what about this, though? What did God do for Isaac after the death of his father Abraham? He blessed him, didn't he? Right. He blessed him. Yep, and it says, And it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son God blessed him. Isaac, and Isaac dwelt in, uh, by the well. So he loses his father. But God blesses him. Right. You know, it's interesting. When Pastor Randy died, we're having an anniversary, November 17th, 2002. Uh, I guess I'm going on, what, 16 years being the senior pastor. And I'm just always reflecting on the fact of, you know, because of, of his death, you know, God has really blessed me in this church, I believe, immensely. Uh, the blessing of God is upon this church, period. Yeah, amen. Bar none. No matter what the challenges are, God gives the blessing, you know. It says he kills, he makes alive, you know. And so he, he got us the property and everything. And, and Ryan, I'll just tell you this, because, you know, being here for this amount of time that I have, I find it interesting that, you know, he gave me the keys to the car, you know. And uh, we have the property, we have the fellowship hall, we got these, you know, this module that we're meeting in, and we're just kicking it, we're just doing it, right? And so we have a building fund and everything, and, and God really blesses us and people participate. And we want to thank all those from the very beginning who have given to this vision, because without you, you know, we wouldn't be here. But I only tell you this story, Ryan, because we're going to the third level. So I thought, hey, you know, we got a new facility, a new sanctuary. I felt this burden lift off of me because we finally got to fulfill the vision, right? We have more than one bathroom stall for the ladies. <laughs> I mean, revival has broken out in our women's bathroom because of the four stalls. And I tell you the story, Ryan, because here's, the, here's where I'm at. This is all well and good. Because of what Pastor Randy did, did for Bait to Healer, because of what he did for me, we're where we're at. But the Lord's like, but where are you going to go? Yeah. What's your goal? So separate now, which is still part of the vision, now I want to see the restoration and regathering the whole house of Israel. I want to see us have some part in the land. Working yeah. alongside the Jewish people like Hayovel. Ryan, that's where I'm at in my faith. That's what I want. Yeah. You know, we're at this point now. So what more can we expect, Ryan, to build a strong community, raise up the next generation? But what more can we expect and dream about? Because if you take away a man's dreams, Ryan, he has nothing. I'm a dreamer because I'm from the house of Joseph. Joseph was a dreamer. And I'm only saying to you and anybody that's listening, where are your dreams? Listen, you take away a man's dreams and he has nothing. That's right. Let me say that again. If you take away a man's dreams, he has nothing. I dream about the restoration and regathering of the whole house of Israel. Absolutely. Judah and Ephraim back together again, you know. And like I said, e even in the times in which we're living, in Genesis 25, 16, uh, Ishmael had 12 sons. And what happens in this particular portion? 
Sarah dies, Abraham dies, and what happens in Genesis 25, 17? Ishmael dies. Ishmael dies at 137 years old. So, you know, so they, there you have it, everyone. And, and I think Ryan wants to give a little recap on the... Uh, well, and there's a, there's a passing of the torch here, right? So it's, it's, you have all of these, these people dying, but the covenant lives on. God's covenants are forever, and the representation of the covenant is Isaac in this portion. Um, and that, you know, we go from portion to portion to portion every week... Abraham dies. Abraham is, you know, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, and it's, you know, we we learn all these things from Abraham, not the least of which is faith, and then we should act on that faith. But now it's Isaac's turn to to take the torch and to run with it, and to take the covenant with God and to continue. And God makes the same promises to Isaac that he made to Abraham in the next portion. So it's exciting stuff. It's cool to see, just like you were talking about Pastor Randy and you, just like we talk about Moses and Joshua, we see this, this, this passing of the torch. Um, and the question I guess we all have to ask ourselves is, what torch is it that we're supposed to pick up and take and run with? Amen? Guys, thanks for listening to the, the podcast this week. You've been listening to Kaye Sarah on the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. Uh, there's going to be thousands of people on Hebron this uh, coming Friday night for Shabbat, uh, which is very exciting. So we're praying for their safety as that's they right. gather the there. The Sarah Torah portion will be alive and well this, uh, this weekend and, in, in uh, Hebron. And, that's right. And so we're praying for the safety of that gathering over there. Uh, it is unfortunate that we all just want to celebrate life, right? Amen? Kaye Sarah. L'chaim. And, uh, and unfortunately, there are those that are out there that just can't stand with it because they're, uh, they're working in the plan of the enemy. So we pray for them. Uh, we pray for the, the victims, again, of, of uh, the Pittsburgh shooting at the synagogue and the people that are still fighting for their lives. May God uh, heal them uh, and their families, and uh, may those who passed away, may their memory be a blessing. And, uh, and we praise God because uh, He's working out His plan and His time, and He is sovereign. So um, thanks, guys, for listening. Uh, if you guys want to get a hold of us, uh, you can email me at ryan at topraise.net. You can watch our services live at topraise.net uh, or on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Periscope, you name it. Pastor Russell's got us on there. And, uh, and if you guys need to, to call and get some resources or anything like that or you want us to send you something, you can also call the office here at 813-654-2222. God bless you guys and have a great week.